I, I just told you what I was going to start with, Dr. Coons, but I, I do have an opening question for you that has nothing to do with anything else I just said. Yes, sir. That is, what is your middle name and its heritage? Clinton is Clinton is my middle name. I don't think my dad listens, but my mom listens, and I am named Clinton because my dad is named Clinton. Bill Clinton was the governor of a state we had never been to when I was born, so it has nothing to do with Bill Clinton or DeWitt Clinton. And I think it's my middle name because my dad was in the field at Fort AP Hill when I was born. So he didn't get to write the birth certificate out. So my mom can write into the show and correct that story if she wants to, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay. And so, uh, it's an English name. Yeah. But it's not, yeah. it's not family lineage at all as a name. It's my dad. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, if my name would either be Samuel or Christian Kuntz, if we had done that. Right. Which you have a yep. Christian in the next generation. I do have a Christian. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. have Samuel I, yet? You don't have a Samuel yet. I don't have a Samuel. I have a Thomas Clinton. So oh, there you go. it's now three generations, but yeah. 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 Well, that's good. So then Adam, can I ask you about, you know, did Adam have the same kind of semi-cavalier predestiny? <laughs> this is a... Uh, I mean, this is a, this is, it's easy to make decisions when you're a Kuntz. So my dad was 12, I think he said, and he, he was like, my first son is going to be named Adam. That's a good name. So there you go. A man who go. knows what he wants. That does sound like you uh, quite a bit. And and so, so yeah. you did text me and, and say today you wanted to talk about Hawaii. And I'm excited about that because I'm just back from Alaska, which is in fact, part of Hawaii in more ways than one, which I'll be happy to explain anytime to anybody. Um, and so being in Alaska, however, and off on grid, off grid, I don't want to be on grid. So even when I was on grid, not checking any news, all I know is that somewhere I heard a rumor that Hawaii's on fire and then yeah. someone like showed a picture of an alien invasion and then they laughed and I'm like, okay, so it's not aliens, <laughs> but what is it? Yeah. What's really going on out there? And that's where we should open up. I think here. Yeah. And Alaska and Hawaii are connected in a wide variety of ways, actually. I think also including, as it were, expat communities from Amen. each state in each state, right? Yep. Um, so they they have some unusual connections that way. They're both at the edge of America. Hawaii is way beyond the edge. <laughs> I think um, Alaska is at least connected to the same continent. But what we want to talk about is to pull Hawaii more into general American phenomena, especially a couple that we have either talked about in the past or didn't. And so I want to go back roughly half a year and then back almost exactly a year to two different events. And this is this is where we'll start. We will we will talk about alien invasions as well, but I want to go back half a year to East Palestine, Ohio, and then back pretty much exactly a year, at least as far as public awareness goes, to the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, state capital, but unable to provide water to many of its residents. Both of which, before you brought them up, entirely memory hold to me, and I'm on a quest to not memory hold, but there's just too much news. So how you do this, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, let's go. <laughs> there is, yeah. I think I am the memory hole, so I am where things go it's when the other people dumps it out of other people's hands That's and correct. it lands in yours. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm like, remember Liberia's election in nineteen eighty? 
No. So, yeah. No, but I was so I think, Right. <laughs> I also remember it. But yeah, so what what we want to go back to, and I, I'm still getting some checks from some folks for the fundraising that I did for East Palestine. Hmm. But just to remind folks of what happened there, that was, because causation is going to be important here today, that was not ruled as a natural disaster for obvious reasons. It seems to have had everything to do with incompetence and lack of safety on railroads and stuff. Interestingly, Jackson, Mississippi was a water crisis, meaning sheer provision of water, not just you have water, but maybe it's dangerous and you need to boil it because we screwed up, but you just don't have water. 150,000 people don't have water. That is a infrastructural problem, somewhat like the emergency infrastructure that goes wrong on Hawaii, on Maui. But in that case, there was discussion of is this a problem of racial discrimination because Jackson is a heavily majority black city like Flint, Michigan, which also had a water crisis. But also is this is is, is this in reaction to climate change because and here's where East Palestine doesn't come into this similar discussion at all. The Pearl River flooded and that's what overwhelmed Jackson's water system a year ago this month, late August of 2022. Are we always dealing, if we're dealing with anything that doesn't seem to have human causation, are we now always dealing with something that, ha- that seems to have natural causation? And if we're going to talk about nature or violating nature or changing nature, anthropogenic climate change, are we talking about something that actually has natural limits to it? Or is the fact that something in a floodplain is flooding evidence that we need to reduce our carbon footprint? So what's interesting about these putting these three disasters together is not only can you see commonalities between all three, like the federal government doesn't show up real fast anywhere, showed up faster in Mississippi, didn't really show up at all in East Palestine for a very long time, and President Biden has never been there. And then with Maui, where Hawaii, like Alaska, has lots of federal installations, I mean, per capita just tons, right? How is that being treated? How are government authorities talking about what actually went wrong here? Because the thing that's really of great utility and the reason that East Palestine probably will get memory hold more deeply than the other two is because when you have an accident due to incompetence, obviously that's of much less utility than if you have something that is ambiguously caused. Because if it's ambiguously caused, or it's somehow caused by weather conditions or something, then you have something that can actually be pushed in the direction of climate change, which, you know, mask mandates at Rutgers University currently notwithstanding, I think is really their, you know, long game. That's the place to go. That's much more powerful, much less well understood than asking people to wear a mask to go grocery shopping. Might I I suggest that the masking, when it comes back and it is back. The first thing I noticed when I went shopping and hadn't looked at news yet in Rockford was where did these masks come from? Because yeah. I don't know, every 30th person or so, it wasn't like much, but it was more than it had been three weeks prior. And then I show up Sunday and to hear the news, you hear the news, masks are back, right? Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to shout at us about how masks are back and a lot of people will do it and there'll be a bunch of shaming and the whole game is going to be played again, not because they think it's going to work, but because 
they're going to have us forget about climate change for a little bit while they subtly do it. And then the mass will fall off and they'll come back with some other giant fires in Canada disaster. And over time, piece by piece, we don't do nothing while they build an infrastructure of federal systems funded by our taxes to keep doing what they're doing more. It's just, it's just a bad kingdom. That's just all it is really. So, but that's all good. We got, we got good things to talk about too, Adam. I know that go. (laughs) What I want to start with are common threads to all three disasters and the absolute biggest one is incompetence that wherever, whatever else you're dealing with, you're dealing with massive incompetence. So just to be clear about how that works in each case, go back a year ago, you're dealing with a water system that is unable to actually, that, that, that city Jackson is really unable to maintain. So the system was built however long ago, right? Updated, 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 upgraded, but it really cannot be cared for and is not being cared for. And if you dig into Flint, Michigan, which preceded it, you have the exact same problem. So that you can, what what you want to do, especially as a governing authority in a thing that as we'll talk about, just really trust is plummeting on all levels of life yeah, that's such a key in point. almost all relationships, yep, right? Yep is that you want to be able to offshore blame for your actions. You're not going to take blame for your actions. Uh, the The striking counterpoint to this would be the way that Japanese authorities generally react to problems is that they will generally accept blame publicly and resign. Mm-hmm. We don't really do that in America. Maybe we once did, maybe we still did in certain places, but we don't, we don't really do that. And there's there's several moves that you can you can make here. In the case of Jackson, they blamed it on structural racism. So the use of racism here is that racism can cover if you have a majority black city in a state governed by white Republicans, which is basically the deep South at this point. You can always blame it on white Republicans. Can, can I be real dense for a second? Yeah. What state is that not? Majority black city governed by white Republicans. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, yeah, you, Democratic states notwithstanding, but like, like, right. doesn't that describe kind of like this the city country dynamic that is effectively everywhere? And it's not black versus white, it's poverty versus poverty, two different types of poverty with the over. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting us off. Well, I think, I think that the question of race here, it means what the, the point of bringing it up is that it's a game that a white person is never going to win. Yeah. Sure. Therefore, it's of enormous political utility because you can offload blame, even yeah. even if very obviously, I mean, states don't work the way the federal government does. States don't govern their own capital cities the way the federal government governs D.C. So it's not like Tate Reeves, the governor of Mississippi, is going to is, you know, is somehow evilly manipulating the water system to make sure that a major, people in a majority black city don't have water. I mean, just don't have water. So that's it's almost like that, that wouldn't be possible to do, right? Because it, it's such a <laughs> it's such a terrible thing that it has to be an accident on some level of stupidity. Like you can't see it. I mean, there are things I do, like I'll throw something and it'll land in a position or a way that I could sit here the rest of my life and try to make that happen, right? And it's just never gonna happen again. <laughs> and I think that's what's happening through incompetence, combining, catalyzing over time. And what, what I think you're saying then, and in my dense question notwithstanding, yeah. um, is that 
It is easy for anybody who can say racism is the problem about anything to say that right now and then not fix the problems. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that race is going to rank below as we go forward. It's going to rank below climate change. And here's why. Because when you're when you're using that as an argument and it's been used the world over Anytime you have whites in a, in a polity that has non-whites in it since at least the end of the Second World War, the thing that you can't really do at a certain scale is get a country that, you know, I mean, even Mississippi, which I think has the highest black population of any state by percentage, you still have so many white people. Somebody's going to figure out, I didn't go to Jackson and sabotage their water system. You know, I didn't screw up their city government. I didn't do that. So I don't want to hear about how I did that. Hmm. It's much more powerful going forward, long term, especially in polities where you haven't secured a demographic situation where whites can just kind of be picked on incessantly, is to get everybody on board with the idea that climate change is a problem. Now, you don't have to have everyone believe that. You just have to have all parties with agency believing that or at least playing along with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's much easier than trying to convince an entire population than it is, that it is categorically evil or that reparations are owed like California's talking about and trying to work on, right? That just is a it you're not going to win as much for nearly as long as if you can do climate change. That's why it seems to me and it the one way that I tested this was I looked around to prep for the show. I looked around for just what what used to be called natural disasters happening in various places around the world right now. The very best one and the one most accessible to the audience are going to be the fires in northern Canada right now mm-hmm. because you can interact with native English speaking media. Okay. And What's interesting about Canada is that Canada is a little bit like California, and in some ways it's beyond California, at least on a national level, in its progression into a preferred future as outlined by various regimes in various countries, including the EU and other places. Yeah, George Orwell. Yeah, (laughs) right. So, So if you listen to Canadian media, they they're not that they're not funny. So they're not even trying to be funny about anything. They're very serious and they're very earnest and they're very, they're, they're very convinced and convincing, although they have to say it over and over again, which makes you wonder that climate change is real. Climate change is irrefutable and that's going to be directly connected. So this is where I see it as like an, it's a growing governing story. It's got, it can be directly connected to lots of other things. So in the case of Northern Canada, for instance, you can say, well, these things are burning and, you know, Inuit peoples do not have the same standard of living as other Canadians. And we need to change that. So you got kind of like a race story going on there, but why, like what convinces you that that needs to happen, that you need essentially income redistribution from Southern Canada to Northern Canada? Why do you need to do that? Why should you have higher taxes? Partly because, too, their conservative leader, Pierre Poilev, is suggesting getting away or getting rid of their federal carbon tax altogether makes everything more expensive, right? 
why should we do this wealth transfer? Well, we should do this wealth transfer because climate change is real. And otherwise, you're just going to like let people be burned out of their homes because they don't have the resources that the white people in British Columbia have. So it's not like all of these other stories go away, like race goes away or class goes away or male versus female or, or beyond male and female goes away. It's that climate change is of much greater utility and then can, can then justify or explain all of those other demands, all of those other political necessities, because it seems power, powerfully obvious. Because as soon as anything happens with the weather, you are told this is this is climate change. And climate change is about, I mean, there's a there's a missing agent in the phrase. It's man-induced climate change. Nobody's saying like the glaciers are increasing in size or shrinking in size of their own accord. Therefore, sea levels are going to rise or fall. They're, nobody's saying that. It's always assumed climate change means we can and should do something about it. So when you have a common thread of incompetence, so just to make it you know clear, like you got in Jackson, you got incompetence in managing a water system. In East Palestine, you have incompetence in managing a rail a rail network and how you ship along that network. In Maui, you have seemingly emergency management incompetences of various kinds, but especially with warning and then supplying water for individuals to do anything about the fire. There are other things we can talk about that happen there. But when you have incompetence, what's interesting is with climate change, which is kind of everybody's problem is blamed on everybody, but especially on wealthy people or, or wealthy nations, nations where you can drive a you know internal combustion engine powered car anywhere you want, right? Using gasoline. If that's the case, then we can shift blame off either incompetent local authorities, like the people that actually manage the city of Jackson, Mississippi, or we can shift it off people who might actually be responsible for, for instance, warning us that a giant fire is coming. So this is where I see climate change as incredibly powerful as a story that's growing and growing and growing and growing. And, you know, the idea that everything is growing and growing, especially in weather events and extreme weather events, I don't buy that. And I can explain why, but. Because progressivism is a lie. You taught me that one. Right. But what I definitely see growing is the messaging about climate change. Yeah. It, it is almost incessant if you follow any kind of mainstream media. And yeah, and, and you know that it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If it's incessant, plenty of people will believe it's true. Yeah. It's, it is the current manifestation of the one world, Nimrodian, Roman, Babylonian religion that is justification by works always. You know, that's why false versions of Christianity always lean into justification by works. But the one more religion that is not Christianity is not justification by th faith through grace, uh, grace through faith, but by works. That one more religion is always also Gnosticizing. That is, it denies reality in order to believe a story about the future, which will be different based upon what we do now. And you just need the secret knowledge. And from time immemorial, they have worshipped mountains, rivers, volcanoes, seas, and the goal of changing the climate. I mean, why do you throw the virgin into the volcano? I mean, do, do you think, so let me give you an example and then see what you think about this. And this is common, common to Canada and to Hawaii. 
is that by federal authorities, at least lip service is paid to religions that I am personally somewhat skeptical. Hardly anyone is actually practicing. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're talking about indigenous stuff at all or? Yeah. So like, so the classification native Hawaiian mm -hmm. um, on the, in the case of Maui is roughly 11% of the population. Mm -hmm. More people than that, almost anywhere in Hawaii are going to claim to be native Hawaiian. And mm -hmm. in some way they are because they're, it's kind of a racial melting pot. I mean, right. actually right. a melting pot. And a Polynesian okay. melting pot that has yeah, become an Asian, brings in Filipinos, yeah, right. Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Tulsi Gabbard herself is like three quarters white, but yeah. doesn't claim to be, right? So right. that's kind of a okay, so that's the way it goes. So native Hawaiian religion, something that happened on Maui, I want to say a couple years back, not very long ago, but not this August, is that the Space Force has a station there. <laughs> and spilled a bunch of <laughs> nasty liquids all over a mountain presumptively sacred <laughs> and apologized. And the commander, who's a brigadier general, said that we are sorry because we know that we're here not, at, not, at, not by right, but as a privilege. So, I mean, I know for a fact that if the federal government spilled a bunch of stuff on my church's property. They're not going to say they that. Wouldn't, yeah, right. They they would not tell me that. I mean, they they might clean it up and they might even, you know, pay us for the trouble, but they wouldn't talk effusively in the press about how they have polluted sacred ground, sacred space. I I know I know that. The same kind of lip service is paid to native religions in Canada. Mm -hmm. Almost incessantly. This is probably part of the media's incessant promotion that Christianity has been harmful to Canada, mm -hmm. which a lot of, you know, the all the hoaxes about the residential schools and how all of these Indian children were put in mass graves that all turned out to be false. But I mean, Canada has had church burnings on yep. a scale comparable really only to France. So these are things that, you know, they're growing I here's my question to you. Do you see those kinds of things as sincere or could they become sincere? Well, who are you I, listening I, to? The actor on the TV is not sincere. They're paid to say what they say, even if they're saying what you like. So we got to understand that, right? And you know this. I'm talking to everybody else a little bit. You know, so the actor on TV is not sincere and the guy paying the actor is not sincere. He doesn't care about the fire in your neighborhood. You're a number on a piece of paper and a story he can use to move his game forward, which is why he doesn't care if you're incompetent. He's not going to send the feds to help you get less or more competent with your water system because you actually helped him and you don't want anyone to blame you or get involved. You want it to keep going the way it is because you like being mayor, right? So all of those people are not sincere and pay lip service. I, I remember something I watched long ago when, and all I know is that it was an older statesman in the Senate of Rome talking to a young Julius Caesar, and it was about the gods. He said, you know, you don't believe in the gods. I don't believe in the gods, but we don't say that publicly. And, you know, that is the elite. Although whether or not some of the highest Masonics really do bow the knee in some secret whatever, Judgment Day is good enough for me on that game. But then on the other side, where I do believe there is extreme sincerity, I'm convinced of this like passionately now, and Alaska did this, is is that the, uh, the expatriate transplants from all sorts of other places um, with indigenous names like Michigan, 
and Illinois uh, and Idaho, right? Um, they move up to the Northwest and they adopt indigenous spiritual thinking, indigenous spiritual practices, indigenous spiritual art, indigenous spiritual tattooing, um, and uh, they love being there with the dark gods and the deep winter, earth, stone, and all that kind of stuff. And so the way I'm looking at I mean, I come back and Honolulu's on fire. Well, what is, uh, this is kind of ironic to me. I just figured out that Alaska is like a false god that's ready for Sons of Solomon to invade it. And then it's like twin sister that's like the center of the fighting rainbows. What's that about? Um, you know, the symbolism you know, it starts to run me crazy, Adam, at a certain point. You know, are the how did Alaska become the fighting rainbows? Is it connected to the gay pride movement? Should we find out if it is, right? Uh, the symbols are flying fast and loose all over. But I know on the ground that the people in Alaska are worshiping turtles and bears yeah, and right. moose. And that Hawaii is named after the great turtle indigenous religion and the turtle that the back of the world is on. I, I don't think it's, I don't think anyone on the ground necessarily is like, well, I'm going to get the exact form of Cherokee religion. Well, actually the Cherokees maybe are trying to do that. And what are those witch doctors really praying for and who are they really dealing with? But the whites aren't necessarily doing that. What they're doing is just being converted to Shintoism called indigenous American style. And it's happening in before our faces while the elites do their lizard man game. Uh, and I think this is good for the church because, frankly, a lot of these people have never heard of Jesus before. Or if they have, they were raised in a house where he was just a jerk. Their, their dad was a jerk. Their mom was a jerk. And you better do it, right? I talked to one lady like that a bit. Um, so, so there's my answer is that the insincerity amongst the elites is evidence. Everything is a fiction and a game. That's what TV makes of you. Um, but then on the ground, I think there's a lot of sincerity with like changing the name from McKinley to Denali. And then in my own heart, I ask, well, who was Denali once upon a time? You know, when you have Alaska with little small places called California in it, right? And then California, again, I mentioned Illinois, Michigan, all these names of our states. Every time we mention them, there are people with a spirituality and a set of gods. And we're keeping the names of those gods alive on our lips. I'm not saying there's a one-to-one -one connection. We live in a complex world. Correlation is not causation. But yes, I think indigenous religion has to make a comeback because it's natural law corrupted by natural man. Um, and to find something real in a world made of, you know, uh, fabrique and cotton candy, a lot of people are going to the far west for the indigenous roots from old shaman that actually live there. And I think are teaching them somewhere, somehow. And that mission work has been successful and it survived the, the westward push of industrialization. And it's joined with, I don't know what, I don't know. What, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think I disagree a little bit about the sincerity thing because I take it as a sign that the word sacred is used. They feel that they have to talk about sacred spaces and sacred mountains and sacred rivers for animistic religions, but not for Christianity. For sure. There's certainly a hypocrisy right. involved. And again, that's the media machine, right? So I think if I were to talk to one of these pagans who worked at like the farmer's market in Homer, um, and, and I... I and I were to say to them, you know, wow, if that happened to Christianity, what do you think? Do you think we should just laugh at them? I, I think most of the people were pretty nice people and be like, no, we should help anybody who has this happen to them. But once you get to that level of removal, it, you used the word elite and taught me to use it. So it's that movement from the, the common man to the elite. And the common man, I think a lot of them do believe the myths, 
they they, they do believe what they listen yeah. to. Oh yeah. But they believe yeah. these myths. But anytime you see it on the show, right? Oh no no. The moment that they're saying, I mean, the change from McKinley to Denali is is not to appease the gods of Denali. I'm just saying I think it actually is, <laughs> but not yeah, on purpose right. by the elites who think okay. they're playing a game of mammon and, and mammon is the idolatry the Bible often speaks of, right? So, yeah. yeah. So I, I would say that when you're dealing with any time that the population does not believe a, a myth that is being or has been propagated and then proposes a different explanation for things, that is called a conspiracy theory I think if our elites were in fact, and I, I thought about this because I thought about the dynamic in Lahaina of people trying to flee and being stopped from fleeing and then being caught in fire hmm. and that people who fled in ways that were unauthorized survived at a higher rate because <laughs> they were able to get away. Mm -hmm. They were not being prevented from leaving as some of the, the roadblocks uh, ended up doing whether they intended to do that or not i'm just going to stop and say you know anybody opening scene last of us right there and go on uh, somebody will get it so i think that when when you have a situation where the people are pictured throughout the bible the common people are pictured as sheep that's not just a picture that's used of the church it's also used of nations particularly israel they're sheep and then they're leaders who are not just religious leaders, like we call pastor is Latin for shepherd, but civil leaders, military leaders, political leaders are also called shepherds in Ezekiel. That if they were really shepherds, the thing that you should ask yourself is, is not, you know, why are they so wrong about how they disagree with me? Which is the way that people have reacted to various things that are circulating, especially virally on TikTok about what happened in Lahaina. And there's all kinds of wild theories, some of which we can talk about if you want to, but the particulars of them aren't, aren't, the, aren't the immediate issue. I think the immediate issue is if they were shepherds, the question they would ask themselves is, why do they distrust us so much? Now, there's all kinds of reasons they're not asking that question. I'm saying, if you are actually in a sincere way trying to shepherd a group, your first reaction is not, why are you so wrong and how do I shut you up? But why do you distrust me so much? Because theories about what really happened are always going to flourish in a relationship of any kind, even even one-on-one, -on -one, where you see what the person says, you see what the person does, but you think that there's more going on. Whereas in a relationship of trust, you f you at least feel, you could be wrong, Right, trust is not a gauge of truth. It's just a gauge of the bond between a people and a leader or two people or whatever. If trust is there, then I, as I talk to you or as we live together, I don't have to worry that there's always a ton more going on. Right. Mm -hmm. The only thing you're hiding from me is like the particulars of the birthday party you're going to throw for me. Right? Right, <laughs> like right, that's right. right. That's the conspiracy in which you engage. Trust once it disappears, is always going to produce conspiracy theories. It does in romantic relationships one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, yep. right? Fair so enough. I think that the, the, the growth of conspiracy theory, and I, I, I say this especially to our shepherds, both governmental but also religious, that if you have people who are very, very invested in something that you just think is completely wild, 
And I can give you an example if we talk about blue roofs, but you just think it's completely crazy and it's wrong. The question to ask yourself actually to care for somebody is why do they trust so little? And they could be right about it. They could be wrong about it. But I think the question to ask is why do they trust so little? Not why are they so wrong? Hmm. I think there's a basic mistake being made by our government in this case that it both treats us like sheep and then is shocked when we behave like sheep, expressing extremely little trust in our shepherds. Hmm. Yeah, trust, I think, in a relationship between two people is the infusion of the other person with your own optimism in them. Yeah. 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 And and pessimism is controvertly a a form of paranoia, ultimately. (laughs) And I I really suggest, uh, having lived it, and having told you before I went to Alaska, I repented, and Alaska said, yes, you did. Uh, you know, election is optimism, uh, the doctrine. And and that means putting trust in the goodness of whatever happens now to bring about what the church can sing hallelujah about next. And uh, burning rainbows, I mean, uh, that shows up in Ezekiel. You know that. Yeah. Uh, there's, so all of it's just floating in the air. Um, should we believe, and I again, I know so little about this one. Usually I'm just flying over do they call it Twitter or X now? I still call it Twitter. Just flying over Twitter and like I picked the, the most. Yeah, right. Back in the day. <laughs> do you remember? You know, I'm old enough that yeah, <laughs> um, I'm floating over the top and I, you know, I'll grab the most radical thing I can and ask you sure. about it because I know you'll have some sort of like pretty seriously real take on it. And and this one, I, I really do kind of have the same thing, like, but I don't have a conspiracy theory except for the stupid yeah. picture of the aliens. So you mentioned blue roofs. You got me. I'd love to know. Okay. So the theory is that blue paint, the color blue generally, interacts in a specific way with directed energy weapons, also called lasers by us lazy folk. And that the Lahaina fire was not a wildfire, but a directed energy weapon, which is why celebrity homes, you can find the videos, celebrity homes that have blue roofs and also blue umbrellas, Tommy Bahama umbrellas, survived the fire because they were the target of government destruction, probably for redevelopment purposes or building our own Hawaiian version of New Zealand, a kind of billionaire's retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alps. Mm -hmm. The Alps, baby. Yeah. So that's the idea. And I, I don't, I don't subscribe to it, but let me just, you know, ask the question this way and then work through it this way is this is really an expression of a doctrine of election where the person expressing it feels that he is definitely reprobate, meaning he is living in a world where he feels like he's never going to win, never, ever going to win. This is the opposite of the gospel that we are that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. A old timey before Twitter Missouri Synod personality used to say, Christ is risen, we are going to win. That's how he signed off most of his sermons. But was, um, that, was that Meyer or was that someone else? No, that was Guido Merkins. Oh, I know that name, but I don't know what he You means. know that name. I, I've heard yeah. it, but I can't tell you who mm-hmm. he is though. Tell me who he is. Yeah. I mean, go on. Yeah. So 
it's the opposite of the Christian gospel. It's the sense that you are just, you are reprobate, you are condemned to hell, regardless of what you do. And the reason that I use the term doctrine of election is because it seems that demons are wildly uncreative and end up reproducing when they produce despair and misery and rage in people. They end up reproducing the forms obviously not the content, but the forms of Christian doctrine so that you get doctrines of being elect and doctrines of being reprobate. And the conviction by an impoverished people or a people who have lost their homes, a people for whom the death count is definitely going to rise because of the just the enormous number of missing people still on Maui. Hmm. As we record this, it's about a thousand, which is roughly 500 to a thousand more than are already being counted. So we're going to wind up somewhere around 1500 to 2000, perhaps dead, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we are dealing with a situation where somebody is making a, you know, three minute TikTok video long for TikTok, but it's about blue roofs and he might be crazy. Maybe you don't think he's crazy. Um, I've met listeners who think all kinds of things that I think are crazy, and they probably think that certain things I believe are crazy. I don't really need, especially in a case where throughout the West, as well as the Pacific, you have just had absolutely massive development over the past 75 years, even 50 years in many cases, built into environments that in one way or another need to burn every so often as well as environments for which we really have no particularly good way to coexist with them. And I don't believe in climate change, but I do do believe in overdevelopment and overcrowding. Mm -hmm. And this is something that California has faced and does face. Well, and you mentioned floodplains earlier too. So you know, yep. adding to overdevelopment, you know, if yeah, you're, you're going to totally. build in a place that cannot sustain you and has to right. be rebuilt every year, you can really probably only do that with other people's money. You got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Because you're also dealing with something and this is just, I mean, I don't think I'm being a insane tree hugger to say this is that if you go back before, especially invention of air conditioning, but, but certainly before European settlement, the Hawaiian islands were fairly densely settled, but at a very low level of human development, Mm -hmm. a place like South Florida, a place like coastal California, were not heavily developed and relatively few people live there. And there are natural reasons for that. And one of them is proneness to natural disasters. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about causation before we get going today. But I I mean, I, I think that the question of conspiracy theories is almost never for me. What are the particulars of the conspiracy theory? Agreed. it, it, like it could be wrong. It, 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 it's usually totally off base. It's made by somebody who's on the internet incessantly and <laughs> is often unable to think except in fragmented ways, augmented by video Yeah, is almost a form of, you know, kind of rough human AI at this point. So I'm not, you know, I'm not like settled, like, oh yeah, definitely it was directed energy weapons. I wildfires can happen, how people respond to them different questions. So conspiracy, did they, was it a conspiracy to, on the part of the water commissioner to not release water until it was too late to do anything on your own? Well, could you have stopped this on your own? Probably not. Is the water commissioner on record promoting 
indigenous ideas of water use that would actually prevent you from using water for firefighting. Yes, he is. So in that case, it could be a conspiracy on his part. You know what? It doesn't have to be. Even if it's not, guess what's still true? It's still true that somebody is lying to you. Because what's notable about the entire episode and continues to be as we record this today is the immense shifting of blame. Like I would just, I would love for the, and the president did visit in this case, but I would love for the president or the FEMA director, whoever to just step up and say, we were wrong, you know, and here's where we were wrong. Now, the case of the emergency manages management guy who didn't sound the alarm because he said, oh, people will head inland into the fire because this is usually an alarm about tsunamis. Should they have sounded the alarm? Should they not? He has resigned. But otherwise, heads have not rolled. And to me, that's indicative is that whatever, even if you actually believe in climate change, if you have shepherds who are unwilling to say that they were wrong, you are not going to have a state a church, a city, a family mm. for very long. No, no, that's right. Uh, the seasons of pressure that come. So to, re- to remember again that your framework for this episode of a kind of a rolling climate change. Yeah, it's a religion for the yeah. people that the elites don't believe in, in the gods of nature, in order to get them to be placated for a peaceful, perfect order that that's the long game and it's rolling through a variety of other crises. So when you watch the COVID stuff come your way uh, this fall and winter, don't ask, you know, just about, you know, where can I get my, my vitamin D and whatnot. Um, But ask also what laws are they passing while we're talking about this? Because those laws will be more on the climate change agenda, or if they're about this new thing, they will fit with the climate change agenda. And that's the way you play football in four downs instead of throwing a long pass every time. I want to respond to conspiracy theory and the value of it because I also like to tinker with the silly. And and the reason <laughs> is because, you know, we're all kind of in the box we build the think in. I'd like to think I can have independent thoughts aside from revelations from God, right? But generally they're they're put there by others and they're inside and they, they're understood with the capacity I have to understand them. And I'm always pushing on the edges of my box. I like language for that reason. You know, etymology expands, yeah. I think, the way you see the language. Um, but what I love about a good conspiracy theory, whatever it is and how nuts the guy might be, um, I'm pretty nuts myself, uh, is that it compels me if I, cause I've never heard of it. Like this guy's going to tell me something that I did not imagine. Right. And I am immediately able to apply my theology of natural law and wisdom to the question in real time with certain answers that nobody else has, right? Jesus is coming back. He's risen from the dead. Nothing can go wrong. Like, all of that can just come right into this round. I can ask, well, well, if that did happen, uh, what good might come for the church, right? And, and you know, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse again, uh, that's one of those I like to toy with because there's so many movies and you wake up from the dream of the Matrix and you, you know that Inception is real, but you want to repent and live in real time. You, you can't stop the wag the dog. It's, it's too big a game, right? So let's go to Narnia or something like that. But, you know, you wake up and you try to apply natural law and wisdom to these other stories that are around you and, and you find first you can't do anything about them 
but they do force you to know what you know and be confident in who you are. And they, you can't just go in and say justification, sanctification, and it all magically gets fixed. Uh, you have to engage what the common man is going to believe as a religious Gnostic ideal exercised as a practice of worshiping a screen that has convinced him that the weather gods can be placated by the WEF and the King of England. Okay. So like at a certain point, it's a conspiracy of stupidity. And that is in fact your case, Dr. Koontz, right? A conspiracy of stupidity for those still operating with some sort of volcano fire God mentality as our elites and playing with things like lasers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or whatever, yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? Things they can't control in the face of a God who we know gives things like homosexuality as a sign that he's already abandoned a people unto their heart. Yeah, right. So I think that this is this is where if you don't know scripture, you're going to fall prey to this. I was considering this because you do get questions about both um, man-made incompetence and what could be a natural disaster or man-made horrors, you might say, but things treated as what what we call natural disasters or what insurance companies call acts of God are also treated in scripture, especially earthquakes. But in addition to that, you get the question directly to Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled Mm. with their sacrifices. And the question about the Tower of Siloam, which could have fallen for natural causes, acts of God, or could have fallen due to man-made incompetence, or why not both, right? Is that Jesus does not handle those things the way hardly any of us talk about any of this. Mm-hmm. So going going straight to directed energy weapons, if you're a Christian, and even if it's true, <laughs> doesn't ask yourself the question, why am I living in a land where things like this are happening? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It goes directly into, well, you know, and this, these are other videos you can find, you know, there's this guy, I'm not going to try to do a Hawaiian accent. My accent imitation range is limited, but he's a Hawaiian of some kind, native Hawaiian. And he's like, Hawaii just turned deep red. And I'm thinking like, no, it didn't. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not, that's not happening. Hawaii is a one party state even more than California is. So I want to uh, answer your question. Why am I yeah. living in a country where these things are happening? And yeah. the answer is fifth generation warfare and a psyop of at least demonic proportions, if not. So here's my conspiracy. Like, I don't think it's <laughs> like, like, Specter sitting in their James Bond corner, although who knows, and the Bilderbergers exist. But what I, what I really think it is, is individuals on every level of society acting and operating for their greedy self-interest and their gluttonous laziness at the same time cutting each other with lack of trust and basically we're shooting down all the infrastructure pieces one at a time. And in a variety of corners, it's showing. It's showing more and more and more. And the operation psychologically on us is amongst those who are elites and have money to endure what's going on. And what they're doing is they're fighting over our alliance, our allegiance to their symbols. Um, And red blue is just a great simple example of that, where we know that it isn't even really a distinction because blue means go this way and red means go this way slowly while the blues drag you that way, right? And so it's all this big story, myth, religion, trying to distract us from the one religion that gives us an actual representation of what's happening in front of you every day with the words to speak in any situation you're in that always impact whatever story is actually going on. So it doesn't matter if it's aliens or zombies. It doesn't matter if it's just a sad day in Western Ohio. The word of God is alive and active. And and this 
optimism. <laughs> Again, um, I, I just want us to shout it, Adam. Uh, it, it is a is lightning in a bottle in a time where the darkness is so, so clear. And it's just like you said, the only way we can keep living in a place where these things are happening is because it's on TV. And so we don't really take it seriously. And that's that's uh, Postman right there, Neil Postman. The TV, the problem with the TV but screen, by definition, is it creates hilarity. It, it makes it nonsense. Um, 1984 again, published, I think. I think that our ignorance, particularly of the Old Testament, is is crushing us right now. Yep. And because what, what you get in the Old Testament, as well as in Jesus's command to repent lest you likewise perish in the new, are capacities to understand reality that generally American Christians don't have because of the shallowness of our Christianity. So all you need is to find, you know, that that the rule of women and children is a sign of accursedness and you look around at your land and that's what's going on. Yeah. Or that natural disasters are a sign of either God's specific displeasure or his general displeasure with sin and with sinful man, which is why even someone else's natural disaster is cause for repentance. Yeah. And that what happens in former times when we're not governed by some myth about anthropogenic climate change, which is why I can only use electric powered, you know, tools in my yard if I live in certain states, but that we are governed by Christian teaching is that we have things like fast days or days of Thanksgiving in reaction to events. Hmm. Instead, we have here this fuzzy, and this is what pagans always do. They make the line between man and God fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And so man becomes like a God in the myth of climate change with the capacity to affect the entire world through his direct behavior, even his words affirming over and over again that it's irrefutable, that it's real and so on and so forth. So I think that when we look at these things, we could talk about incompetence. We can talk about a lack of trust, which both occasions and then also is explained by conspiracy theories. But I think that the religious dynamic here and the stakes of people not actually knowing the gospel and those who do know the gospel and actually knowing the scriptures is that you will just continue to get not only more dysfunction, but an incapacity to understand where it's coming from. Yeah. It makes and then like stupid, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're stupid and sacrifices will be required. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Sacrifices will be required to volcano gods, to whatever the new gods are that are, yeah. that are rising up. Yeah. When you go into the inner room, you know, you will know that we have speaking true. Spoken true. Not paraphrase. Not so well. The um, the the quote from our Lord. Uh, do you think that they were worse sinners than you? Repent, all of you, lest you will likewise perish. I've often heard that used as sort of the um, see. Uh, you know, he's teaching that sin, uh, kind of the Job lesson. Like you never know, and it really wasn't their fault that it all fell down. And don't be judgmental. But that whole <laughs> lest you likewise perish part. Yeah. That just makes me think of 70 AD a bit. Yes, and, sir. And, and he's not yeah. so much saying that they didn't deserve to have the tower with the bad architecture fall Correct. down or, or whatever it yes. was, right? But That's really right. that they just didn't realize they should have been there too, and they're lucky to have him talking. Yeah. And so modern people love Job. 
If you learn anything about how people have read Job, you will find out that modern people, including Virginia Woolf, who's sort of a disgusting human being on many levels, love Job because it's not only a perennial question, why, that people have when they go through things, but it also is an unusual biblical book in being about innocent suffering, which is why the church, the early church, would generally read it on Good Friday because the instances of innocent suffering are much fewer in any given person's life. And certainly when the Bible talks about the judgment of nations, we're not talking about innocent suffering. You know, Egypt, Ethiopia, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom are not picked out by the prophets <laughs> because they're all enduring Job-like suffering. The things that they're going through are signs of wrath, like unto, like you said, the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, which if you look at when Jesus's teaching about the end of the world becomes a sign of the end of the world. Yep. Right? And the New it, Testament and covenant being true. Right. Right. It's not a sign that, you know, we all go through things sometimes. We do all go through things sometimes. <laughs> Always right? on the bright side of life. That's the British way. <laughs> but it is it is a sign that you don't want to be taken by as we pray in the litany, a sudden and evil death. Yeah, amen. Like there there are such things as evil deaths because there are evils that get us involved in being killed or dying for and because of our sins, right? This is a distinction Peter's going to make between if you suffer as a Christian, that is innocently, or if you, if you do wrong and are beaten for it, well, right. that's on you, right? Don't be a damned fool. <laughs> so, so when you're talking about things happening, yes, there is human agency and yes, there should be within governments and within nations accountability for wrongs done and water systems and emergency warning systems and lots of things like that. On the other hand, if we're talking about the nation and the nation is inattentive to what is happening to it, we could even say by virtue of acts of God. Mm -hmm. then it's really missing the point. You're missing the opportunity that is outstretched for repentance, which would have been recognized and should still be recognized as a time for fasting and prayer. So one of the things I learned on this little Alaska trip I was on was that when I'm about to die instantly, not, not the kind where I get to sit there and feel the pain for a while, but no, this is going to be that. Like, it's going to die and it's instant, but I have a second to see it. I learned what word I'm going to say because I said it when I made a bad left turn in a giant camper on Highway 1 in Alaska. And thanks be to God, nothing happened at all. But the word that came out of my mouth is a nice German root word with an SH on the front. And, you know, I kind of shrugged in my chair a little bit as my Christian family behind me heard me then say, it's all okay. We're all going to be good. And I, I pulled into the parking lot where we were trying to get into. It reminded me of um, an accident I got into about a year ago with a Honda Pilot that I used to own. Uh, then I made a bad left turn um, and uh, uh, actually got slightly T-boned. It was really pretty light and uh, didn't do much more to my vehicle than knock out the uh, airbag, which was a total loss then. Therefore, thank you insurance for saving me from car thieves, which is what they told me this would do when they took the car for less than his value and didn't fix it. Anyway, that bad left turn also brought my German out 
<laughs> uh, as the last word before something I did not foresee coming that was a great, you know, jeopardy to me, possibly curse, blah, blah. You know, God is my God. So I'm not that afraid. But I, what did I say? I didn't say, dear God, right? That'd be nice. I, I said this is S word. And, and so I, I just started talking to my kids that night about it. And I, I'm going to say it to you now. And I said it on Saturday on, on the Stop the White Noise because I don't know how to change that part of me you know, that speaks when I don't think that doesn't have a filter that faces not just the awe of, Oh, these mountains are beautiful, but I just fell off. Right. What comes out of my mouth then I know from two occurrences in the last year that it's not the name of Jesus Christ. And I really would like to change that in my life. I want the last thing that I say when I look at the truck before it hits me to be Jesus Christ. Like I really want that to come out. And I, I, I I'm curious about this, Adam, because here's what I don't understand. How is it that blasphemers shouting the name of Jesus Christ for so long have kept me from saying the name of Jesus Christ in such moments for fear of sounding like I'm blaspheming? Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Like we can't say that, right? We would. Yeah. Be yeah isn't that weird? I repent. I want your thoughts. <laughs> you know, I my response when. Uh kids do that who are in confirmation or something is don't bring him into this hmm. <laughs> i want him when because, i'm about to be hit by another car i want him in this though you know yeah right so maybe it wouldn't be blasphemy if you said it but i think the reason that it is blasphemy generally speaking almost always whenever anyone makes a carpentry mistake for example is because he only gets involved for most people at extreme moments the extreme moments where, you know, you might lose your thumb because of what you just did to it with a circular saw, or you're losing your vehicle because of the turn you made or something. Hmm. Extreme moments should not be necessary for getting man's attention. It's a measure of our own hmm. dullness. I mean, spiritually, yeah, not yeah. just I love IQ. It. It's a measure of our dullness that extremity is necessary on his part. Because otherwise, the fact that he made the sun to shine today or that you're still breathing should be sufficient sign of his kindness, which is meant to lead you to repentance. <laughs> I'm finishing writing down. Um, you said it was all the same thought. It's a great thought. So extreme moments are not, ought not, uh, the odds are tough, but ought not be necessary to get God's attention, right? And, and so the corruption of our fallen nature, which is good substantially, um, the corruption is particularly uh, that we think we have to get God's attention. <laughs> like that light is the fall, right? Like we fell and he kicked us out of the garden. And we're like, let us back. You know, let, what does it take? What do I got to do? And, and yet he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. With the promise that he knows and he's got, but, it, he's got it planned, right? He's got right. it covered. Well, his, his judgments are meant to lead us yeah. to repentance, right? Yeah. His judgments are meant to lead us to repentance. Also, his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So we're not supposed to trespass on it. But what we usually do is we trespass on it. And I'm afraid that if we look at, and I mean, to be honest with you, you know, and to single it out of the three disasters that I started the show with, East Palestine has trespassed least upon, I mean, the church is filled up with people not only receiving help, but also wanting to know what he thought about all of this. Yeah, yeah. Right? And if that doesn't happen, or if that's not happening because the church doesn't send somebody to preach that message to to Jackson or to Maui or to wherever is experiencing whatever to the Northwest Territory, 
then we're missing not only an opportunity, but we're missing in those people's lives a chance to proclaim him because he's not he's not letting things happen in a way that is either so much under our control as the climate change story tells us, nor so far out of his control as people without something like a climate change narrative begin to think. They begin to assume that they have been abandoned, whereas whether it's innocent suffering or suffering because they built their house in a floodplain and here comes the 50-year flood, whatever it was, that is an occasion for turning. And it, you know, even if you don't believe that, quote, natural disasters are more frequent now because of climate change, even if you don't believe that, you have to see that each of these events could be an occasion for a reconsideration of what matters, what endures, what should be relied upon, who holds life and death, rather than just FEMA didn't treat me right, or it was a directed energy weapon, or this is because of climate change, or a lot of sub-stories that fill in afterward, and then in that person's mind supplant, much less the rest of us, where, yeah, this stuff does get memory hold because there's too much of it, and it's too far away for most of us at any given time. Like if you don't live in Ohio or Hawaii or Mississippi, you probably forgot about each of the three stories or you will. And the reason you do is because you're actually, (laughs) what we're all capable of is hearing and believing the gospel when it's preached to us, right? The entire gospel, not, not gospel in a narrow sense, but both repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And when that's not happening at all, We shouldn't be surprised when that gets supplanted by lots of other stories and maybe even whether sincerely or insincerely old gods now supplanting the gospel whom the space force at least does respect. Look, 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 look. I can only tell you what I'm doing. I can't tell you what the, the witch doctor in the deep Inuit village far off in the Northwest, you know, reindeer worshiping edges of Alaska where, you know, you can go, but you can't, and you got to ask permission to drive the roads because you got to fly in. I don't know what he or his great grandfather did when they realized the liars of that federal regime were about to just take away their way of life. But I know what I would do. I'd pray to my gods and I'd invoke every single powerful verse in the Bible that I have against my enemies I'm doing it. And if they did that, and we believe in demonic warfare, and we believe they're worshiping demons, and it's a war between the two demons, and God always lifts up one and tears down the other as the beef moves across the oceanic life of this historical zeitgeist crappy end of the world that we're living in, well, that shouldn't surprise us at all, right? So that as Jesus Christ lives, when the old gods come back and their names are on people's lips, uh, again, it's not a time to to be afraid. It's a time to remember that this is the world the Bible just rocks out in, actually. Yeah. And, and, and we are only lacking our own trust in its ability to rock, and you know, pun intended, while we're at it. Uh, as Jesus Christ lives, that's the end of our time, and i got to close it up. And I do want to leave you with this thought, you know, if you are pious, if you do say his name, then Jesus Christ is a much better prayer than the word owl. You're listening to A Brief History of Power. You know where to find us or you wouldn't be here. The Hebron Collegium is a gap year Bible school for men in Rockford, Illinois. Semi-monastic boot camp for Christian living. Cowards and slackers need not apply. HebronCollegium.com. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? 
Imagine a college that is affordable, a college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran, a college that won't take a dime of federal funding, a college that teaches the best of our Western heritage, a college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. At 7,123 feet, you can find mountains soaring above you and rivers running swiftly in the valley below you, natural beauty of every kind. But our God is richer in his gifts than this. At 7,123 feet in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, you can also find God's word preached purely and his sacraments given out for your salvation at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School. Located off US 160, just west of downtown Pagosa, Our Savior offers your children a wonderful place to learn of Christ and his wisdom week in and week out, and offers you the medicine of immortality Sunday in and Sunday out. Our Savior Lutheran School provides a Christ-focused classical education that enriches the child's soul with the best that has been thought and said to the glory of God. Whether you visit while vacationing or hunting in the beauty of the area, or whether you would like to join a group of faithful Lutheran Christians, our Savior Pagosa Springs has what you're looking for. Divine service with Holy Communion is each Sunday at 9 a.m., and Bible class follows at 10.30. At more than a mile high, you will find Christ in all his glory in the midst of his people at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School, a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. Find out more at oslcpagosa.org. North Idaho is home to beautiful mountains and scenic lakes, small-town tranquility, civil freedom, and the faithful Lutheran parish of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, located in Hayden, Idaho, near Coeur d'Alene. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church is a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. If you like what you hear on Brief History, then you will love Blessed Sacrament, where the Lord's Word is faithfully preached and Christ's body and blood are administered at every divine service. Whether you are visiting Idaho or considering moving to Idaho, wouldn't it be nice? Please join the saints of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church for the Mass and Augsburg Academy Bible Study. Directions, service times, and much more information about this confessional, liturgical parish may be found at blessedsacramentlutheranchurch.com. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, Historic Christian Orthodoxy, the Evangelical Lutheran Faith in the Beautiful Inland Northwest.